Praise God. Okay. <clears throat> we don't want to miss taping these. Uh, I had several requests for that one the other week, and now, now I, I, I'm gun-shy, you know. I'm afraid that they're not going to record or something. Praise the Lord. I want you to open your Bibles tonight to Ezra. It's one of those books that uh, I haven't preached from, and uh, I like to move around in the Bible. Uh, I like for us to get the whole counsel of God. I believe that all Scripture is inspired of God and is profitable for reproof, for correction. It's uh, to make sure that the man of God is fully equipped. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, and we need to hear everything God has to say. Amen? All right, Ezra chapter 1. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord spoken by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all the kingdom and also put in writing, saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, All the kingdoms of the earth, the Lord God of the earth, uh, the Lord God of heaven has given me, and he has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judea. Who is there, am who is there among you of all the people May his God be with him. Now let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is God, which is in Jerusalem. And whoever remains in any place where he sojourns, let the, man, let the men of, that, of his place help him with silver and gold and with goods and livestock, besides the free will offerings for the house of God which is in Jerusalem. Then the heads of the fathers' houses of Judah and Benjamin and the priests of the, and the Levites and all those whose spirits God had moved arose to go up and build the house of the Lord which is in Jerusalem. And all those who were around them encouraged them with articles of silver and gold with goods of livestock and with precious things, besides all that was all that was willingly offered. King Cyrus also brought out the articles of the house of the Lord, which Nebuchadnezzar had taken from Ju uh, Jerusalem and put in the temple of his God. And Cyrus, king of Persia, brought them out by the hand of yeah, that guy. <laughs> the treasurer, and uh, counted them out to Sh uh, Shishesh Bazar. Boy, they got some good names, don't they? The prince of Judah. This is the number of them, 30 gold platters, 1,000 silver plate, uh, platters, 29 knives, 30 gold basins, 410 silver basins, 
of a similar kind and 1,000 other articles. All the articles of gold and silver were 5,400. All these Shishesh Bazar took with the captives who were brought from Babylon to Jerusalem. Heavenly Father, your word is a gold mine. Your word is so rich. And Lord, we find in your word that which feeds our soul, that which strengthens us, that which is encouraging to us. And Lord, I, I pray tonight that we will find encouragement in the word of God. I pray, Lord, that everyone here will be stirred in the spirit as we look into this word may the holy spirit reveal truth to us for we ask it in jesus name amen in the first year of his reign nebuchadnezzar had carried into babylon uh, most of the people of Judah, uh, I guess they went in three waves, and he reigned 45 years. And then after him came his son, evil uh, Merodach, who reigned 23 years, and then his grandson, Belshazzar, reigned three years, uh, which makes up... Seventy years predicted for the Jewish bondage, which was in uh, it was predicted in Jeremiah twenty five twelve and also in Daniel nine two. And uh, in the third year of Belshazzar, Darius, the king of uh, Persia, became ruler, and uh, that's told to us in Daniel five. Now, the ascension of Cyrus to the throne was a, was a marvelous fulfillment of prophecy. And I would like you to turn to Isaiah 44, 28 for just a moment. Isaiah 44, 28. It says there, who says of Cyrus, God, talking about God, he is my shepherd, and he shall perform all my pleasure, even saying to Jerusalem, you shall be built, and to the temple, your foundation shall be laid. This is said here that in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, verse 1 there of Ezra, that the word of the Lord spoken by the mouth of Jeremiah, that the word of the Lord spoken by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord did what? He stirred up the spirit of Cyrus. I would like to use that for a text tonight. This wasn't any coincidence. These 
words in Isaiah 44 that we just read were written 150 years before the birth or before this incident in Ezra here. 150 years prior to this sending forth the command to rebuild Jerusalem, Isaiah spoke by the Word of God, through the Spirit of God, that God was going to do it by a king named Cyrus. And to me, this is such a miraculous thing that it just proves to me that the Scriptures are indeed inspired of God. He, he knows the beginning from the end. He knows everything in between. He is well able to tell us what's going to happen in the future. And I, I suppose Isaiah didn't even realize what he was saying. But God spoke through him, and he said, I'm going to stir up the spirit of Cyrus. Now, the Spirit needs to be stirred up in all of us. Amen. Do you know that we can't do anything for God until God first moves upon us and stirs up the Spirit within us? How many of you remember when God moved upon you and began to stir you up in the Spirit? Do you remember that? Hallelujah. The will of God is never done until the Spirit's first stirred up. And man is not a machine. And cold, mechanical service and worship to God is an abomination. He said that God is looking for people who will worship Him. How? in spirit and in truth. He does not want us to go through ritual. He does not want us to move like a machine. Just, well, it's now time, push the button, up goes the hands. Now's the time, push the button, the piano plays. Now's the time, push the button, and a prophecy comes forth. God wants to move by His Spirit. And He is not glorified when people move like a mechanical machine. And selfishness is death in the sight of God. And one of the things that keeps us from doing the will of God is we're too caught up in ourselves. We're too busy thinking about ourselves. You know, it's possible to have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. That's what we're told over in 2 Timothy 3, 5. The unsaved 
are sleeping a sleep of death. Ephesians 2.1 says, you, has he, uh, you he has made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. Everyone who God has not stirred up the spirit. You see, people can't come to God until the spirit draws. And until God stirs up the spirit, people are dead. There's, there's spiritually dead. And it's a miraculous thing when God stirs up the spirit of a man. Hallelujah. And God alone is the only one that can stir up the spirit. The source of all spiritual life and power is with God. All life emanates, emanates from God. Without God, there is no life. And until God is in control of your life, and until God is in control of a church, that life or that church is dead. And God has got to come into a person's life and he's got to stir them up. Hallelujah. Every quickened spirit is one that is raised from, from the dead. God does it that he might have a spirit that he can work through. God does it that he might have a person who will live to glorify him. You see, you were saved with a purpose. God's got a purpose for your life. Did you know that? God had such a purpose for your life that in the right time, he stirred up your spirit just like he did Cyrus. He stirred it up because he wanted you to glorify him. Hallelujah. God is still stirring up people that they might glorify him. Philippians 2.13 says, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. You know, we can't take any credit for anything. It's God that's working in me. Cyrus, could, we can't give him any credit for rebuilding Jerusalem, for going and building this place of worship, for sending out people to build he can't take any credit for it. It was God who was working in him to will and to do of his good pleasure. He stirred up the spirit of Cyrus. And God is stirring up your spirit because he wants you to build a sanctuary for him. He wants us to be a living sanctuary. 
I think the young people came up with a, with a song here. God, make me a living sanctuary. Hallelujah. God has stirred you up to make a living sanctuary for him. He's got a purpose, just as he had for Cyrus. The means by which the Spirit was stirred up was, number one, by his word. By his word. I believe, uh, if you look at Daniel 9, Daniel 9 and verse 2, It was in the first year of Darius, the 70 years is over with, okay, the son of uh, Ahasuerus, of the uh, lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord, given through Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. So it was the word of God which, first of all, was revealed to Daniel. Now, you've got to remember, Daniel was a prophet at the time of Ezra. And Daniel may very well have went and showed the king, look at what I found in Jeremiah 44, I mean in Isaiah 44, and look what I found in Isaiah uh, 45, and look what I f found over here in Jeremiah 25, 12. Look at Jeremiah 25, 12. Just turn there for a moment. Jeremiah 25, 12. <clears throat> then, I will then it will come to pass... When 70 years are uh, completed, that I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, the land of the Chaldeans, for their iniquity, says the Lord, and I will make it a perpetual desolation. And then uh, over there in Isaiah 44, uh, 28, and on down uh, through uh, Isaiah 45, down 1 through 13 there, we find that he calls Cyrus by name. Can you imagine the impact it would have on you if someone came up with the Holy Scriptures and said, Hey, look. Look what God says right here. He's called you by name. You are going to go and build... A sanctuary. You're going to have people go and build a sanctuary for him. You're going to set the captives free. 
God has called you to this purpose. And he points it out in Scripture. I just believe that that would have a tremendous impact. Then I believe God not only spoke by his word and stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, but I believe providence also spoke to Cyrus. You see, the fact that Cyrus was governor at the very time that God had said in his word the very year right down to the letter I mean how could he deny it and the fact that he had the means at his disposal to do the very thing that God said he was going to do Now, I believe that when God speaks to a person and they have the means to do the thing that God has told them to do and they do it not, God is not going to be very happy with that person. And God has called us in 1988 to bring the Word of God to Seneca Falls. And there's more evidence in the Word of God to Cyrus here that he was supposed to deliver those Jews and rebuild Jerusalem than there is that we are to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. How could he deny it? Hallelujah. God stirs up the Spirit by causing men to know and to feel that this word is for me. How many of you have ever been doing your daily devotionals and all of a sudden you come across the Scripture and you say, Oh, my God meant that scripture for me. Amen? And once you know that God has spoken to your heart, no one's going to convince you in any other way, but God said. And for us to go contrary to the word of God, when God has made it so clear to us, would bring tremendous guilt into our life. Well, what is the evidence of a stirred-up spirit? I want to give you at least three things that is the evidence of a stirred-up spirit. First of all, There's a faith in the Word of God like you've never had before. Verse 1.
in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord spoken by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing. Verse 2, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, All the kingdoms of the earth, the Lord God of heaven, underline it, has given me, has given me. He, he knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that God was speaking to Cyrus. He's given it to me. He has commanded me. And when a spirit is stirred up, it's no longer a historical word. It's a fact. It's a word for me. It's a living word. It's a word that I cannot deny. God is speaking to me. Hallelujah. And when you're stirred up in the spirit, all of a sudden that word just comes alive. Amen? Hallelujah. And it's no longer a word for someone else. Cyrus was uh, more clearly commanded here to, to uh, build that city than we are to believe in Jesus Christ. And I believe that anyone who looks at the New Testament and it says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved, how can you deny that that's for you? When he says, go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, how can you deny that that's not for you? When he says that we are to go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe whatsoever I have commanded you, and Lord, I'll be with you always, even unto the end of the earth, how can I deny that that's for me? These things are... God has spoken to me because I'm a believer. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I have an obligation to go and to tell people of the good news of Jesus Christ because he spoke to me and he told me to do it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The second thing about a stirred-up spirit is there will be a, con a confession of the purposes of God in your life. There will be a confession. You see, in verse 1 there, he made a proclamation throughout all the land. And when we know the will of God, we should not be ashamed of speaking what God said. Amen? Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power unto salvation, glory to God, to them that believe. Hallelujah. Romans 10, 9 and 10. He says, if you confess with your mouth uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the mouth man believes unto righteousness, and with, uh, 
Yeah, with the heart, man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, he confesses unto salvation. You've got to confess it with your mouth. You, it's not enough to believe in your heart. When you're stirred up in the Spirit, you've got to begin to confess what you believe. I don't think there's any such thing as a secret Christian. Do you? I believe that Christians that are stirred up in the Spirit, you just can't hardly shut them up. They've got to tell somebody. I couldn't wait to, to get a letter off to my sister Betty right after I got saved. I had to tell somebody. You know what I mean? How many, how many here know what I mean tonight? Boy, you, when, when you're saved and you know it, you ought to tell the whole world you know it. Hallelujah. Mark 8, 38 says, Whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes into the glory, in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. If you're ashamed of God here, you're ashamed of the gospel here, if you don't confess Jesus Christ before men, he said, I'm, I'm not going to confess you before my Father who's in heaven. Boy, I can't think of anything worse. Jesus is coming on the clouds of glory. He's coming with all his holy angels. And instead of saying, Bob Rook is one of mine, he says, depart from me. I never knew you. Oh, Lord. You didn't confess me before men. I'm not going to confess you. You didn't know me, and now I don't know you. Man. Can you imagine how grieved you're going to be? That would be hell all by itself. To be denied by Jesus, the one I love so much. But imagine how much we grieve Him when we deny Him. When we're not out here confessing Him before men. We're more, we're more worried about what so-and-so is going to think of me than I am about what Jesus is going to think. I'm going to tell you, that, that's a big problem. It's a big problem. I heard a radio program the other day he said, because we have moved, all society has moved from what used to be righteous, the standards are shifting till what we call righteous today was not considered righteous 50 or 100 years ago. And he said, because we in the church have become so accustomed to these standards, we have also moved with the standards so that now we call those things that are not righteous, righteous.
And he said, in these last days when righteousness, when iniquity shall abound, he said, we're going to have to become more fanatical. He said, anybody that's living according to a right standard, what was right in Jesus' day, is a fanatic now. And if you're fanatical, you're going to undergo persecution. Those that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Well, can you imagine this, this heathen king? I mean, his spirit had to be stirred. He wrote, wrote it down and sent it out to, to his subjects. Thus says the Lord God. He wants me to build a house at Jerusalem. And look what it says in verse 3. He is God. What? A heathen saying that he's God? Can you imagine how, what they thought of uh, poor Cyrus? He's lost his mind. But when you're stirred up in the spirit, people are going to think you're just a little bit wacky because you're not going along with the crowd. The last thing about a stirred-up spirit is there's a, there's a liberality in, in devising things that will honor God. I mean, we just can't... Our whole thought, our, our whole being goes into planning things that will honor God. I want more to honor God in my life than anything else. I want that God would be glorified. I think I speak for those that have been stirred up in the Spirit. Isn't that the thing you want, to see Jesus glorified in and through you? And when you're stirred up in the Spirit, you're looking for ways that you can glorify God. Looking for ways. Oh, God, reveal ways to me that I can glorify you in ways that I've never done it before. We see Cyrus offering to tell all the captives to go in verse 3. How many rulers of nations do you think would just all of a sudden decide that after they've taken all these people captive, well, go ahead, you can go home. Hey, listen, you not only can go home, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll pay your way. Huh? And listen, when you get there, I want you to build a house for your God. And I'll give you the money to do it. Boy, this guy has really been stirred in the spirit. Hallelujah. We see this uh, in his providing for, their, for the sojourner in verse 4. How many people that are heathens provided for the sojourner? No one. It was, it was God's idea to provide for the sojourners, those that live amongst you. He says... That we're, we're not to, uh, we're, 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 uh, we're to 
sometimes you can uh, entertain angels unaware. I mean, uh, we need to have hospitality. God's people are hospitable. I mean, they love to entertain. They just go out of their way to help somebody. Those that have been stirred up in the Spirit. Because as much as you've done it unto one of these, the least of my brethren, you've done it unto me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Boy, they just can't wait to help somebody. And, and look at verses 7 and 8 there. We see there that uh, he delivered all the vessels that were, had been taken captive. He gave them back. Restitution. You know, when a person's stirred up in the Spirit, they just feel so, well, I've got to make restitution. Remember poor little old Zacchaeus? He said, look, if I've cheated anyone, I, he said, I'm going to give away half of my, uh, half of everything I got, and if I've cheated anyone, I'm going to restore it to them. Fivefold, wasn't it? Fourfold, okay, fourfold. <laughs> Hallelujah, I'm going to restore it to them. And when you've been stirred in the Spirit, you want to make sure things are right with God, and you're going to give up whatever you've got to give up to make it right with God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's still stirring up the spirits of men. Just like he stirred up poor old Cyrus. And he can stir up the spirit of the unsaved. That's, that's the whole thing here. Cyrus was not a child of God. He was an unsaved king. And God stirred up the spirit of an unsaved person. And that's the lesson here for us tonight. I believe God can stir up the spirits of the unsaved people in this community. I believe that he can stir them up to build a place, a sanctuary for him here in this community. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'm going to ask that you as a congregation... Begin to pray, God, stir up the spirits of the unsaved in this community. God, just get right down deep into their heart, into their soul. Stir them up. Because, hey, they can't come unless they're saved. And they can't be saved unless God draws them by His Spirit. And we've got to be about our Father's business. And His business was the salvation of souls. Amen? Maybe you've got a 
an unsaved son or an unsaved daughter or a, uh, an unsaved loved one, a, a husband, a relative. Hey, God can stir up their spirit just like he did Cyrus. And he who was not glorifying God all of a sudden became God's tool for building a sanctuary. Hallelujah. I believe God can do it. Amen.